Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Gary Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and we got some bad news. Uh, I I believe this is going to be reflected in the title, but uh, this is Brian's final episode, and I want to stress that uh, he he is going to come back at some point. I'm going to make him, but uh, this is going to be the the final episode for him as a recurring member of the cast, I suppose. As a uh, fixture on the Arena Deckless podcast. Yes, this is a conclusion to my time. I am sad. I mean, there's no, there's not even any mixed feelings. I'm just sad. It, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I do think it's the right move for the podcast. Y'all deserve someone. No, Shut listen, no. listen, no. You, you, everyone, look. Fuck you. <laughs> here, here's, here's the dichotomy. I am not trying to downplay my contributions. I know I contribute something, but there's also a lot of people who want to listen to this ma- this podcast for magic information, for uh, strategy, for ways to better perform at their next event. I can't provide that anymore. I recognize that. I'm, I'm too busy with other things. And frankly, like my interest isn't really there. And you deserve someone who can provide that. So that is step one. The other side of that is I know there's a lot of people who just like coming, listening to us hanging out with us, feeling like they're part of our team, and they are very much part of our team. And I feel like I can pop in periodically and still contribute that. So I I don't think there's going to be a a loss to any group besides the group that really enjoys hearing me talk specifically about magic. And I, I, I have such a hard time fathoming that person. Like maybe from a design standpoint, sure. But in terms of like, you should play this deck, like nobody's listening to me anymore. And you shouldn't be. Good decision. We'll bring in someone who is worth listening to. I think that's the correct call. So, A, I disagree with that. Uh, but B, also, like, this podcast has evolved over time, and I think that that is what any form of content should be doing, right? Yeah, sure. And, you know, the the listener base will evolve around that. Like, we are not monoliths, you know, like our, our interest or whatever is is going to ebb and flow and wane or whatever over time and i i would hope that that is understood and uh, obviously in a, in a large sense it has been right like we have some of the best people supporting us surrounding us uh people who have continued to listen to us through everything we've gone through which has now been so so much we've been doing this for such a long time i think i look this is we, we don't like actually number our episodes anymore, but we do internally. And this is like episode 348 or something like that. Yeah. I think. But okay. Here's the thing is when, when my editor uh, would send them to me, I, I, this practice stopped a while ago, but like there was a period where like I would send them to him numbered and he would send them back to me numbered. And his number was always like 20 higher than mine. <laughs> okay. So we're somewhere in the three hundreds. We can say that yeah. with confidence, right? Yes. We are, we are definitely like, you know, that, Internally, I have it 348. Um, given his numbering system, uh, it would probably be about like 360, 370, something like that. So we're well above 350. Yeah, and I, I came on in the 30s, I'm Correct. pretty sure. Yeah, like 32 uh, so or 36, something like that. Pretty incredible stretch of podcasting. Just, just showing up to do a podcast for that long is like, uh, for people like us, I think it's very impressive. We are the type of people who move quickly. Uh, we you know, don't always self-motivate all that well. We have a tendency to flitter around a bit. And I think we both really committed to this and, and did something really cool. And I'll always be really happy with that. So 
uh, it's, it's weird. It's like I said, it's a sad chapter, but when you look back at it, it's kind of unbelievable how much we managed to do over this period of time. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, back to my thing though, because uh, that's what's most important. On, Obviously, on your farewell episode, it's like let's talk about me. Um, I I think that I I don't know if this is like your you know rationale or defense mechanism or whatever, but like it it is just kind of like bullshit to be like oh I'm not the right person for the podcast anymore because like I I personally don't give a shit, man. Like <laughs> fair, like you and I work so well together. And we can talk about literally anything like generally the to some degree, like, yes, magic is the the focus of the content, but the content is the people. And if the people suck, then I'm, I'm just not tuning into their stuff, you know, and I think yep. that that is true for a lot of people. So people people just like you, man, like I, I don't want you to use that as your excuse for leaving because it makes me angry. Fair enough. Uh, I guess there's no accounting for taste, but I do believe <laughs> that the person who will come in in my spot will uh, be just as beloved, be just as uh, ready to take on the mantle. Do you think that the we're not going to reveal the replacement, I'm assuming? No. Um, but do you think that the person who is going to be taking my place is better known than I was when I came on the show? That's hard to say. I, I think the answer is yes. But I also think that depends on who the audience is. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I think for our 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 current audience, uh, it's it's basically a tie. I think that like they probably didn't know who you were. They're not gonna know who this person is. And I I kind of like that. I kind of dig that, honestly. It's cool. I, I mean, honestly, looking back on it, it was a lot of as soon as I settled into the role and understood that like there were no presuppositions and I could just be myself, it was a lot of freedom to just be able to, uh, you know, lean into who I am and not have to like justify my placement or not be, uh, your, be yourself. That's all I ask. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, that's that, the biggest advice I could give to new person is just like, don't stress about it and be who you are and you're going to do a great job. Uh, for who you are, not the, because of you're you're trying to offer something specific. Right. The reason I wanted you specifically was because of who you are. So I certainly don't want you to come in here and change that. And I believe I've said as much to this person as well. Good. Good. I think whether or not you very whether well. or not that has actually been hammered home yet. Um, well, it's it's hard. I'll tell you, it's hard. You, like you you play tricks on yourself. You set these mental expectations that you think people have for you and. Uh, it, it does take a while to settle into that position, and I think it'll probably take this person some time to settle into that position, but uh, they will do so, and the podcast will be better for it. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, a, a little bit of a preview, I guess. Uh, this this person is playing a bunch of Magic right now. Seems like a good thing for a Magic podcaster to do. So, uh, well, yeah, but we, you know, our name has the word arena in it. We don't talk about arena at all. So, that's, like, no, none fair. of this makes any sense. That's right? fair. It's all all Calvin Ball. Uh, yeah, BT Dubs. I'm I'm gonna rebrand. I've been like too lazy to make a logo or commission a logo, so I might just keep publishing it under the same logo, but like different title. Okay, I like that. I I think it's time. Uh, you know, we had a a very clear vision, and I would say I think for a moment a successful vision. I think we made a good decision in the moment. Yeah, uh, but circumstances have changed dramatically.
I would say. Yeah, and it was just stuff that was out of our control for the most part, you know, uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And it's just like comically soul crushingly funny to me how much it did not work out. Yeah. And I, I can't, I can't really deal with that anymore. It it has to change. So (laughs) I respect that. And I understand that while we're doing the reflective thing, I, you know, I've, I think I'm just like a very, reflective person in general like i tend to think back about things and i like to kind of neatly anthologize things and and put an order to things and i was just thinking about the history and things we did things we attempted to do and i kind of found myself drawn to the negative a little bit and thinking about the biggest mistakes we made along the way Shit. and no. like so whenever whenever someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm like a reflective person or whatever, like how much do you harp on uh, like regrets in general or like how much do you think about that? It depends. It really depends. Like it, it, it's a very mood based thing. Like I think in general, broadly speaking, my life has worked out extremely well. So the regrets that I do have are often very, very small ones. Like a lot of times they're just like, I wish I handled this situation better or I, sure. I treated this person differently. That's that's the one that kind of comes up the most more than like, oh, I should have, uh, I don't know, been a doctor or, or something ludicrous like that. Um, so it, it really does depend. Uh, and I would say the moments where I take stock and just be like, wow, I did a lot of things right are much rarer than the moments I'm doing the opposite. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, continue. Uh, the things, the things that we blew. Let's yeah. talk about those. Yeah, yeah. And I, man, it's so hard. I don't want to absolve ourselves of anything that we did wrong. Because certainly we made missteps along the way. But like, it just felt like so much of the stuff that we envisioned and wanted to do got taken away from us out of our control. Like, a, really, a lot of it was like pandemic era, but also, you know, MPL restructuring the entirety of of magic the the restructuring was very bad yeah Um, because that was the one that like just most out of our control right there was just we tried so hard to engage with it on its terms and And it was it it happened like almost overnight too yeah which was you know kind of like an extra dagger uh, didn't really change things too much but it's just like we we were doing well and i wanted to put a lot of that money to use and there were a, a lot of things that i wanted to do with that money under the structure of old organized play yeah. and then with mpl just so many people were just like kind of off it you know it's like because what are you grinding for like the the silver mage no longer has anything to aspire to right yeah and, and i think too like in that moment, we we did adapt and we tried to find ways to engage with the the new stuff too. Like we we were very much. It's weird to say now, but I I remember being a pretty vocal supporter of both like arena organized play and the MPL when it started off. Like it it seemed like the right thing, and I kind of bought into it. And I think we for a period did our best to succeed under those systems. It's just when the realization sets in, like oh, this is actually big joke completely mismanaged right uh, 
a field full of hucksters, then you're like, well, now I'm screwed. Like now I've just committed to this thing that I saw as our future. And like, what is the second future from this point? Uh, really, really odd time. But in retrospect, the, the only thing I wish I did differently in terms of like that big paradigm shift was actually just ask more questions and like be more critical and have less belief. Like it's weird to say, because I know now I can come off as like a little sardonic and just testy. Uh, but Bro, I, you were, you were one of the people I talked to, one of the two people I talked to about my MPL contract. And I, yeah. I laid out all the reasons why it was horseshit. Yep. So, so yep. what do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like in my mind, you were kind of like right there with me as far as like this isn't going to work. I I think that I think that I should have said as much publicly. Word. Okay. I think I I think I publicly bought into too much. Like there were a lot of warning signs behind the scenes, and I just kind of downplayed them in the public facing discussion. Yeah, the, and in part because of necessity, like there just weren't yeah. things that we could talk about. No, and I there's, mean, that, that's there's still plenty of things we we will not talk about from that era. But it, we just we just, just we just should, man. Uh, maybe we should. And that, that's more for uh, I'm out the door. I can talk about whatever the hell I want. That's that's more for you. Or I'm still not sure if we should be talking about them. I don't know. What are they gonna do to me? I don't know. I'm I'm already 86. You know, from working with Wizards or anyone w- Wizards affiliated. Like, I very rarely, you know, play in tournaments. I was in Baltimore last weekend. I am going to Cincinnati. Um, but they just you're like, like a grinder now. You're an SCG tour grinder at <laughs> yeah, this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I played all of two rounds in Baltimore. Are you proud of me? I played more fun pickup games with Jake than I did in tournaments. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to ban me? That's not going to work well. It's not going to look great for them. Yeah, it's also not going to accomplish all that much, honestly. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave that decision with you. You always get to decide what you want to talk about. What's uh, the uh, statute of limitations on like NDA type of stuff? Uh, I guess. I'm not asking. I'm not answering legal questions <laughs> on the podcast. I'm not going to tell. Not you as my lawyer. Not as my lawyer, but just you know, your best guess. Uh, I will not. Yeah. I will not take this as legal advice. Yeah, probably, probably too long. Yeah, that'd be my probably guess too. too. That's a damn shame. Someday. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the problem with all of that is that I'm under contract. Uh, I I have, you know, talked to you about some stuff, and you know that, it, like, I am under contract, so it's not really uh, your place to then reveal things of that nature or whatever, but there was enough public-facing stuff that we could have taken issue with and i did and i i honestly like when i left the mpl like i don't know i don't remember you disagreeing with any of the stuff that i said or did so no no that is true i'm, I'm trying mean, to I, defend your actions here but like yeah maybe yeah. maybe in random twitter discussions you were like hey look at look at the bright side maybe this won't be a shit show i i think i probably did what i had to do and then I, I guess I just kind of wish like I, I torched myself for the benefit of other people is, is what it comes down to. But that doesn't lead me to the point I'm at now, probably. And 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happens in that world. So again, this is why regrets are just kind of wholesale, not worth it. Yeah. And well, it's funny because you say like, oh, I, I didn't do that. And therefore I'm in a, a reasonable place now, whereas it might not be the case. But like, I think in the eyes of the public, it's sort of binary. And I think that public opinion would be that both of us did torture ourselves and I think that James holds that regard or like that opinion. And he seems to like us both well enough. Uh, so, that is true. Uh, that is true. Yeah, maybe you could have done it uh, a little bit fast and looser, faster and looser. Uh, and maybe that sways public opinion into the negative. I don't know. But I, I feel like it, I feel like people are already think that. I did certainly, and uh, maybe you too, but maybe that's like guilt by association. Yeah, I, I th that's what it comes down to. Is I think I I did get some of that guilt, but a lot of it was just by virtue of your actions, and very little through my own. And I wasn't You're in welcome. the same position as you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, well, I I like it. Look, I if I didn't support you, I would have openly said as much. But I I always supported everything you did, and I was very willing to take on that guilt by association. And so. that's because I was right. Mm -hmm. Not because we're friends, I hope. No, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've certainly told you where I thought you were wrong in the past, right? So that's good evidence that if you were wrong in this situation, I probably would have told you as much. That that might be true, but I don't remember any of those instances ever occurring. Okay. Do you have an example? Uh, last you. week when you rolled up to Baltimore with the deck that was clearly being preyed upon by the larger format was one that just comes to mind. Um yeah, but I, I never said, like, oh, this is the best deck to That's true. You didn't win the argue. tournament. That was not my you didn't goal. Argue. Dude, I played two rounds. I have a laundry list of things that I learned. Like, when. That's good. That's all you can ask for, right? When, when I tell people that, like, leagues are too long, that is the reason I don't want to engage with them because by round three, I've certainly learned everything. Like, they just don't believe me. No, I, be I believe you. I certainly believe that. I have dropped many a league at 1 0. 2-0 like it just I've, I've learned what i need to learn I, I have to go do something else yeah i well usually it's like oh, i want to join another league now and like you know change 10 cards in my deck or whatever sure yep but, that happens as well uh yeah it's it's just so funny to me where yeah I, like i i wanted to basically test for cincy and now i i think i basically know like everything i need to know about this deck and so now you will win in Cincinnati. Is that the prediction? Assuming that the metagame shifts away from all the artifact hate, then yeah, then this. What did, what did you think about the legacy metagame in general? That's interesting to me. I mean, I we didn't set out with the goal to really even talk about any magic on this podcast, but we we could check in. Like I, this is about the level of interest in magic I have right now. I want to know what the legacy metagame was like at this tournament. So if I I, I wanted to check my work. And if you if you do the math and you loop in all the Delvery decks, it was 18%. Do you remember what okay. number I said? I don't remember what you said. I think I said 18% at the high okay. end, but like probably pretty 15, accurate. Probably 15%. Um, and then Reanimator was 8%. Yeah, maybe a little higher than I would have expected. I, I think that number was like pretty close to what I said too, but I, okay. I could be wrong. Someone someone can check the tapes and let me know. But uh, yeah, I mean it, it's. It was kind of what I expected where, yes, there are things that are uh, sizable portions of the metagame or whatever, but everyone is still doing something that's like pretty different, you know, like how 
Blue Red Delver operates pretty differently from like Teamer or from Grixis or whatever. It's like there there haven't been any big tournaments to just be like, yo, you're supposed to be playing this list or this version of this deck and nothing else. So stuff's hard to pin down, which is why I wanted something proactive, which is why I was like, yeah, eight cast, I guess. Not that I'm happy with like that specifically as a deck choice or whatever, but like certainly that sort of strategy. Um, so yeah, it was it was like pretty wide open, pretty weird, pretty much what I expected. And then uh the deck that won looked super sick, actually. Yeah, remind me what I I know I saw it at some point. Remind me what actually won the event. It it was Cephalid Breakfast, but that's right. Yep. But with Urza Saga yep. and Staff of the Storyteller to combo with the sagas. Uh, specifically Saga getting Retro Freighter Foundry to just give you like a bunch of gas. So it's basically like this weird-ass mid-range deck that never runs out of cards that has a combo finish. Yep, seems pretty good. Uh, you know, I was a long-time believer in Cephalid Breakfast. This resurgence of this deck has been not something I ever expected to see, uh, but it is very, very cool. One of my first ever SG opens that I did well at was with Cephalid Breakfast. Yeah, and uh, the Cephalid stuff is is there kind of like an afterthought, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's just like the best sort of most compact kill that also plays pretty well with the other stuff, you know? Uh, I ended up on the SCG tour page just kind of uh, looking for the deck list. I couldn't find it, obviously. Why would you be able to? Naturally. Um, but there is a collection of people who they advertise as appearing at the event. This one person has a monkey on their shoulder. Does this person own a monkey? I need to know more. Mike Sad, I don't know who you are. Uh, I'm sure you're a lovely magic content creator, but I want to know about this monkey. Where did it come from? Do you possess this monkey? Are you a, a monkey owner? Can I meet the monkey? Could, These are could all just be a could just be a random zoo pick or something, you know. It could be. It could be, but it just it sparks more questions than answers. And I I now need to have those questions answered word yeah i don't know i i'm not up to date on uh you know the the monkey tea as it were uh so i roll i roll into baltimore right and we've been to a few of these events and we've seen coalesce apparel booths at like all of these events right yeah and it's never cedric it's always uh, I've, seen, I've seen Cedric a few times. It's usually not Cedric. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. So every single time that I've been at one of these events, it has not been Cedric. And then Cedric was randomly there. And I'm just like, yo, uh, that second chair behind your booth, that's mine now. And I just camped out with him for like the entire weekend. Yeah. That is usually my policy as well. I'll spend some time in the booth and then people ask me a bunch of questions and I'm like, I don't know. I have no answers for you. I just sit here. Yeah. No, anytime, anytime customers came up, I just scooted the chair back. I, <laughs> I just wanted to make it very clear, like, I do not work here. That's good. I had, I had one interaction where I interacted with a customer and had to explain to them uh, how things worked, which is how he ships everything when he gets home. Yes. Because it's really expensive to carry a bunch of, like, stock with you to every yeah, you, event. Yeah, you can't. No, I mean, not realistically. It's it's so much better to do it the way he does it. Yeah, and the shipping is free, you know, so you don't get to, like, take it home in your hands or whatever. But this one person was just like, that's not how things normally work. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. But, like, do you want to pay $50 for a shirt or do you want to pay 33 you know? It's so he, criti- you. he criticized your business model at the place you didn't work at and uh, just let you know that he wasn't pleased with it. Like... He wasn't 
outwardly like hostile or anything, but okay. he was he was definitely off put in like Huffy and uh you know, walked away, didn't try and buy anything from me. Uh so there's that. But yeah, well, it's just like I, I get it. You know it. when when you got into customer service, Gerald, you should you should have known that this is the type of stuff that you're gonna be facing. So. I, I did customer service stuff for like fifteen years. So I'm I'm especially since that was like the one and only customer I had to deal with. I think that I was like pretty patient and pretty nice, you know, obviously it grates on you after a while, but it's like, I am pretty good at, at that stuff when I know that I'm signing up to do it, you know? That's good. Uh, yeah. I, I think I have a similar tactic, although I remember by the end of my bartending days, I had no fucking patience whatsoever. <laughs> just actual zero. Yeah, and if, if, you, if you know you're at the end, who cares? Yeah, yeah, I was just completely... I actually remember a time um, I made a drink for someone and they complained it wasn't strong enough uh, loudly. And I told them to go fuck themselves. Hell yeah. As I want to do. And <laughs> they flashed me a gun. And I was just like, look at my life, bro. If this is how it's going to go, like, fine. Go go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I just had no fucks at that point. You want you want a murder charge? Yeah, like that's fine because yep. I no I clearly don't care. You know, just just go for it. Uh, so that's what I do. I probably shouldn't be bartending anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like yeah, whatever. I think I think more bartenders should be like that, honestly. But you know, working for tips, maybe maybe not the best idea to be like that. Uh, you gotta you gotta have a blend. You gotta have a blend. Yeah. And I don't know that there are depends on like what kind of establishment you're into. Right. Because if you're in a place that is mostly regulars and there are enough people, you would hope that maybe the regulars realize that like, okay, that person's not going to tip you. So like we have to cover that as a collective. Yeah. So my spot was like pumping busy nightclub where it's just no semblance of regulars make Right. Whatever. A thousand drinks in a night and it just pure volume. Like you're actually your only limitation on how much money you make is speed, like how quickly you can make a drink. Okay. So uh, it completely changes the dynamic where it's just like, do this as quickly as possible. Get the next person up. If someone wastes your time, tell them to fuck off and go to the next person. Like that's all you can do because that's the actual limit around your money at that point. Right. You're down a buck, but that person was going to cost you like three bucks anyway. Yep. So, yep. Uh, what, what other mistakes did we make? Well, a recurring mistake that I make in all aspects of my life that I've always made. And honestly, a mistake that I'm kind of comfortable making was I, I gave many people the benefit of the doubt and, uh, just expected good from people. Like I expected some people to, uh, you know, kind of engage with things negotiations, business arrangements, the same way that you and I would have openly in good faith. Um, yeah. You know, being trustworthy people. And yeah, that, so that when, got to us a few times. Yeah. When you brought up like, oh, a lot of the stuff that stymied us was out of our control. It's like, well, yes and no. Like, I, I, I never like just chalking everything up to luck. Right. right. Because there there is always something that you can do better. And no, I think you create that, your circumstances. Yeah. And I, I think that we were uh, certainly after those experiences going to get better. It, it just we ran out of opportunities because things had started changing. Right. Yep. The uh, the 
new car smell on like magic is an esport uh soured pretty quickly and then uh we no longer had a bunch of those opportunities like knocking on our door so yep yeah which is which is fine because honestly like a lot of the shit that we could have done like some of it would have been not could have went even worse yeah could have went even worse for sure and maybe it you know if we had gotten to some of the arrangements we were looking at and had been committed to them it could have just been an absolute money funnel with the way things went so yeah and um, i don't know i think that we did a good job pulling the plug on a lot of that stuff when we did too so there's that for sure for sure yeah i i just think like it's just something that comes up for me over and over and over again and it comes up with like issues like forgiveness and i I just like dude i never forgive i know and it's good like I, i actually kind of envy that because I I want to believe in people. I want to see the best in them. Uh, I want to give everyone the chance to treat me as the way I would treat someone else. And you you can absolutely get burned by that. I was actually telling this story um, the other day when I was talking about the process of either lending money or selling something to someone and then being like, oh, I'll pay you in the future. I, I will never, never ask for that product thing, money, whatever it is. I, I will never ask for it. And what, what I will do instead is I will use that to silently judge you for the rest of our relationship if you take advantage of the fact that I will not ask you to give me the $10 you owe me or whatever oh, like that. It's yeah. just like, it's just, I'd rather just have that information that is worth the $10 to me than have the $10 in my hand. <laughs> And okay. I, that extends to a larger number than $10, too. Like, it I, really just goes entirely up the spectrum. All right. So. I got to tell you a story involving one Coloss boss, Colosso Fuentes. Okay. Do you know Colosso? Uh, by reputation and a very few personal interactions. Okay. So, grinding magic when you are in your early 20s is an experience. And honestly, fewer people should do it. And maybe, maybe now things are, are better in that, like, you don't really have the opportunity to do it. So kind of saving people from themselves by just having not a whole lot of organized play offerings. So pros and cons, I suppose. But, uh, at this point I was, you know, maybe mid to late twenties or something. So like I have a little bit more. Uh, spending money. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, doing well or anything. Um, but being friends with Colosso, who was like, maybe, maybe even not even 20 yet, you know, might, might've still been a teenager, but around that age and like not having a lot of money and, you know, just the occasional like, yo, can I get 10 bucks? Like I'll pay you back next event or whatever sort of thing Mm -hmm. would, would happen. Right. And it's fine. I, I totally did not mind doing that. And then uh, it just came to a point where, like, obviously there are some stories where it's just like, oh, you're you're staying with Colosso. Like, it must be nice that he's got money for hotel rooms, even though he still owes me 20 bucks or whatever. You know, mm. just like a decent amount of people, a handful of people were just like, yeah, Colosso owes me 20, Colosso owes me 30, Colosso owes me 50, et cetera, right? So this, this was just kind of a thing. And I, he didn't have bad intentions, you know, like he did intend to pay everyone back, right? But, you know, you're a broke kid. What are you going to do? Yep. Uh, so 
it got to a point where he he owes me like $30 or something. And I didn't expect him to pay me back in a timely manner. And I also would prefer it if he paid back the other people that were more directly involved in his community before he paid me back. So even if he offered me money, I wouldn't take it or I would just like take it and go give it to someone else, you know? Mm. Um, But the thing that I started to do to accrue value on this debt was I would walk into an event for the first time, you know, like Friday, Saturday, I would beeline for Colosso. I I would see him, you know, in the middle of a big group of friends, you know, he's like a sociable, charismatic dude. So he's always talking to people. And I'd be like, where the fuck is my money, Colosso? Just really loud. Just like start (laughs) yelling at him. Be like, dude, what the fuck? It's been six months. Like, you know, and I would just lay into him. And then uh, he would just be like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'll pay you, you know, next week or whatever. And then I would walk off and... I would hear the people be like, dude, how much money do you owe him? And Colossus was like, uh, $30. <laughs> That's good. So I would just make a scene and get value. And people were just like, dude, why do you do that? It's so mean. And it's just like, I, I, I just don't even want him to pay me back at this point. You know, like I just yeah, want. You, you have to get something out of your investment. Yeah. I just want the equity of being able to yell at him kind of at every tournament. And, uh, yeah. I, I, in many ways, you and I are very similar. Uh, I, I would have probably done the exact same thing. It reminds me of the fact that uh, when my brother was probably like 15, he got very confident in his tennis game and challenged me to a $100 match of tennis. Okay. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm not going to play you right now, but I'm going to accept your bet. And at some point in the future, I'm going to challenge you for that $100 game. My brother has never... And I actually mean never beaten me in a set of tennis. It's not even close. It's not even in the realm of possibility that he can beat me. So what I am doing with this $100 bet that I have saved in my pocket is I am waiting until he is at his lowest, most desperate, and just horrible situations. Everything has gone wrong in his life. He's in the gutter, has nothing left. I'm going to play that $100 match tennis. I'm going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back because he had the audacity to believe he could challenge me to a hundred dollar match of tennis. And I have kept this in my back pocket now. Uh, I mean, we're, we have to be talking 17, 18 years and I'm holding on to this hundred dollar match. The problem is I am getting old and fat and now I'm starting to get concerned. Like, well, if this continues to happen, am I actually going to reach a point where I will not be able to cash in on this bet? I don't think so though. I feel like I, the skill gap is just, I much, hope so. Dude, I hope that he is secretly training every day and he is He's just going to whoop your ass. The The gap is so huge. It's so huge. Maybe it, it was. In so many ways. Maybe it was, but you haven't been training. I'm not sure I, I understand. Oh, wow. Siri is participating in this argument now. I, I also have not been training, but I am. Uh, Bro, it's our last episode. Put the watch away. <laughs> sorry. I, I am a. I am a naturally talented racket sport player. I'm just good at racket sports. I always have been. I I pick them up very quickly. Any sport played with a racket, badminton, table tennis, actual tennis, pickleball, I pick up very, very quickly and I'm usually very good at. And uh, he's none of those things. So I will destroy him. Man, how have we never gone to like an arcade together? You know? Yeah, that's weird. That's weird that that's never happened. Right. I, I just I want to like play you in like some air hockey or whatever, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I've just never been in that situation with you. Yeah, 
I, I can't. It seems odd. I'm I'm trying to piece together all these things we've done, but yeah, I can't remember an arcade experience. I, I think we're just old men, right? It was like tournaments done. And it's like, no, nah, we it's yeah, bed, time for bed. Bed by time. <laughs> we do go to bed pretty early. I'll give us that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of having a, are we the baddies moments? Cause you're, you're talking about like, I am saving this so that I can just mentally break my brother. Um, oh, I, I am the baddie in the situation. Yeah. I, I am willing to accept that. And, that is the nature of big brother dumb though, is that you, you have to accept your role as the baddie. I, I don't think that's true. That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> maybe, maybe a hot take, uh, as, as someone who is a middle child has had an evil older brother and mm. was very nice to my younger brother. Uh, I kind of disagree with that. Yeah. Why weren't you born first, Jerry? You chose like an idiot and this is your own fault. You did this to yourself. Well, if I was born first, then I would not be me. At which point, you know, maybe I was born first and that is simply another me. You know, who's, multiverse. Who's to say, the multiverse right? theory of the Arena Deathless podcast. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, right? It's weird. Yeah. Uh, like, in in case anyone is worried about the the well being of Colosso Fuentes, uh, for the most part, he was in on the joke. You know, uh, like I said, like he and I were, you know, rooming together and whatnot throughout this entire thing, and uh, it was, it was not the nicest thing I've ever done, uh, but. I, I don't think that uh, he was actually uh, tormented by it or anything. Different times, bruh. Different times. Different times. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I think I, I used to really uh, sub to the idea of like, you know, if, if you're creating net happiness, it is a good thing, um, which was like, you know, five people are now happier because they had a funny moment, but it was at the expense of this other person. Obviously, I no longer subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. school of theory uh because it was like well i could just do five zero and that that's way better right turns out yeah um but yeah are we the baddies brian 20 yes. years ago 20 years ago probably eh, still a little bit these days oh Baddie with the heart of gold i think that's that's my uh that's my role so uh Obviously, you're busy with with fab stuff, and you're going to be spending a lot of time down there and everything. Yeah, I leave tomorrow. Yeah, back down to Auckland. Are you? I don't know. Like all all set up for this. I know that you have like your parents watching your house. Uh, you have like another place down there. Or do you think that you're going to be like pretty happy with? It's not even like by coastal man. It's like by by world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I do think I'm going to be really happy. I I really like what i'm doing right now uh i again just like my life is this story of ridiculous consequence and good fortune but one of the things that always sort of hold held me back from wholesale committing to the idea of being a game designer or you know working on a tcg it's hard for me it's not to say that i'm not capable of like knowing my role on a team or taking direction. I I do think I am capable of those things, but also it's really hard for me if I have a good idea to just be like, well, I'm not paid for this idea. I'm paid for this more basic idea. So I'll just sit on this idea and not get involved in 
this large picture stuff and this future of the game stuff yeah. and this organized place like like just bite my tongue and be like not my job not my problem that's not the type of person i am and uh you know the level of involvement i've gotten to take in flesh and blood the amount of trust that james gives me with his creation is just like it's exactly the situation i wanted to work in uh and beyond that i just love the game i think we have a lot of fruitful territory to mine we keep coming up with cool shit to do in the space and love the team I work with. So it, it has worked out extremely well. And it's one of those things where obviously the travel is not great. I don't enjoy it, but I am legitimately, legitimately looking forward to getting into the office on Monday, seeing the team uh, getting to work on some stuff. So it, Hell yeah, yeah it's, it's a good situation to be in. And the, the buy world stuff is the hardest part of it for sure. And uh, you know, I'm still doing, airbnb this trip down but the the goal is to have something more permanent down there probably hopefully by the close of of this year and i think that'll make things a little bit better too it's just like oh yeah go from your own space to your own space and you can customize in the way you want one of the hardest things that i've run into is just like having a comfortable work setup when i'm there like that's a really big deal i sit in this garbage chair that whoever put together this airbnb purchased from i don't know a dumpster in a lot of cases it feels like and then my back is in shambles by the end of a week and uh it it is i'm too old for that shit but when once i have my own setup i think that's going to improve things quite a bit yeah dude absolutely uh like i could i could do that sort of stuff you know like work while traveling and it was fine in small doses it's like oh look at me making the best of my situation but like thank god i get to get out of this situation yeah and back to a place with like you know, a real chair and two monitors or whatever. Yep. Very, very important. I also, I bought like a, a travel monitor this go around, which is uh, an interesting piece of technology that I never oh, really considered we, before. We should, we should have talked about that. Is it not going to work in my favor? Oh no. I like, I, I, I also bought one of those a while ago. Okay. And haven't had the opportunity to use it much because I haven't been put in that position where I'm like working on the road all that yeah. much. But like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm pretty excited this go around. I'm curious. Yeah. And I, if not, I can leave it in the office when I'm not there. So that'll be good. Just always have around. Uh, I picked up a new, a new laptop. So just like slowly building out my stuff for these travel situations and making it more like being at home, but having an actual home is going to be the real, uh, the real difference maker in terms of comfort. And I, I'm excited to get to that point. Absolutely. So you're, you're ready though. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, I would of. hope so because you're leaving tomorrow. But uh, I mean, I, I haven't packed, but like I'm I'm, I'm ready-ish. Like, what, oh, I just got to put some clothes in a bag. What I've realized now, this is my fourth trip down there. I, I'll just buy whatever I need. Like, it's it's not worth like stressing over. I'll even like clothing and stuff. I can get anything I need there. And in fact, my favorite clothing store. It's, it's like they're a whole country, you know? Yeah. My favorite clothing store. It's It's pretty expensive, honestly, in the States. But when you're there... I benefit from a nice exchange rate and uh, it turns out it's much, much cheaper for me to buy Lululemon clothing in New Zealand than it is in the U S yeah. And uh, so actually I'm, I'm pretty incentivized to not bring a lot of stuff with me and I just do a lot of shopping while I'm there. Even like sneakers. Like I got a nice pair of forces last time I was down there and it, we just, it works out well at the exchange rate where it comes out a little bit in my favor. So I'm, I'm all for shopping down there. That's tight. Uh, 
I am I'm familiar with that store from uh folks that I dated, but I would never like splurge on myself because it's you like, should. I you I should. I don't I've never spent more than a hundred dollars on a item of clothing for me that wasn't like a suit, you know. Once once you have done it, it's very hard to go back and not like I, I'm not a brand person. Like I don't give a shit to display a brand on on my clothing. That's not important to me. Uh no, what, I do, what band, I do care band about is, to life. is comfortable shit. And their shit is the most comfortable by just an order of magnitude. So, so comfortable. Uh, like they use really nice fabrics and have really good technology in terms of like, uh, you know, when you're doing things like workout clothing, uh, sweat control and things like that. And even like smell proofing their stuff. They're really good. Like they just use premium shit. Oh, I didn't even is, know about that. Yeah. It, it, it's wild. really good. It's worth it. So. What I was getting at is like I've never spent that money, but uh, Josh Cho bought me a pair of Lululemon sweatpants because he had gotten some and was there just like, this, "This is the greatest stuff of all time." Yep. So he bought them for me, and like I'm, I'm a fan of like comfy pants. You know, like what, what do you think I wear all day? I'm not wearing jeans right now. I'll tell you that much. Yep. Um, but he got me a pair of those, and it's just like, yeah, the absolutely uh, comfiest pair of pants I own. Not close. Yep. I, I ha- actually legitimately have a hard time wearing other clothing. I'm like, this is just not comfortable. I don't want to wear it. I'm not there yet, but I don't know. Maybe someday. We'll see. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just like, it's not that much better to me to necessarily justify the price. But I'm sure if I looked at the math of like, you know, how long does this thing last? and like how comfy it is like price wise it is probably just much better if you have the cash up front versus like oh i need something now and like don't have a lot to spend i I also think they replace everything it's very much in the boots theory of economics okay well we've talked about boots theory on on podcast before i ain't doing that though because like returning something to to sender is way too much for me i'm just never gonna do that i was very smart and married a lovely woman who is extremely comfortable returning things like just it's like her forte she just loves returning things you are incredibly blessed anyway let's talk about boots uh yeah so the boots theory of economics is based on uh it it comes from a book by terry pratchett who i quite enjoy and it, it just basically is telling the story of the poor person who has to purchase a pair of boots and they buy cheaper boots and they fall apart and then they have to go buy another pair of boots. Whereas someone who has the money to spend up front gets the nice pair of boots. They last longer. They keep your feet dry as opposed to the other boots, which are constantly in disrepair. They have the ability to be repaired because they are, you know, made with traditional traditional cobbling techniques. And the boots theory of economics applies to basically everything in the world. And it's yeah. one of the most grossly unfair things about, I mean, no, it's, it's just a, a pure representation of like privilege to you where it's like. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's everything. It manifests in absolutely everything where if you can spend the money up front, you actually save money in the long run. And it's offensive and crazy that that's the way it works, but it is true. And it manifests over and over and over. Well, you're, you're talking about like the cheap boots being, you know, like broken down or whatever. And that means that, well, this other person is probably going to get sick and it yeah. grew 
hospital bills that they can't afford, which is going to put them out of work, which they can't afford, which is going to put them further into debt, which is going to further make it so that they are never able to save up to, you know, buy a house or buy nice or boots. get or, even that first pair of boots. Yeah, yeah. It just it snowballs on you. And like the first 32 years of my life were that snowball. Like I just lived in that snowball all the time, 100% of the time. Yeah. And it's wild how once you escape it, it becomes self-perpetuating. It's just grossly, grossly unfair in every single conceivable way. Uh, yep. Who knew? Uh, Terry Pratchett, apparently. He did. Very, very, very smart man. Uh, beautiful writer. I good. I think I don't give you, him. I heard. Yeah, I think I don't give him enough credit when I am laying out like my, uh, you know, favorite authors and and favorite just content creators in general. It feels weird to call Terry Pratchett a content creator, um, but just someone who puts good things into the universe. I, yeah. I think uh, a very underrated human by me. Not most people. He's he's very highly regarded. Hell yeah. Uh, well, what else, man? What, where Did we blow it anywhere else? Is there anything else you want to talk about in that regard? Wish we had the opportunity to prepare for a pro tour together which is not something that ever came up. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's unfortunate. But you, you just never qualified during the span of the no, the podcast. No, no qualification whatsoever. Uh, it turns out I'm pretty mediocre at Magic, but... I, I strongly disagree with that. You you just literally <laughs> didn't play in that many tournaments. <laughs> like, you, you did a lot of commentary. We splashed around in some team events. Um... But I don't know, man. Like even when I was like going to PTQs and stuff, like you weren't going with. That is fair. I don't even think and we road trip together, really. You know. Well, we mostly meet in places. Like yeah, when exactly. we lived in Seattle, we didn't really go anywhere that I recall. Right? No road trips. No. Nah, we flew I... to we flew to LA together. Yeah, but I don't think we sat next to each other. Like we were on the same flight a decent amount of times. Yeah. But it was like you would get upgraded or something, or I would get upgraded. I don't remember. Yeah, I think I think you were more often upgraded than me at that that stage in our careers. I was I was flying a lot. They liked me. Yeah. <laughs> I got upgraded on my flight to New Zealand tomorrow for the first time. Oh it's, hell yeah! Yeah, it's really big. I, I didn't get full business. I got premium economy, but that's fine. Still, still better. Yeah, it's, oh, especially when you're dealing with like these international flights. Premium premium economy is like uh, first class on a domestic flight. Right. And then the business one is like the, the bed, right. The like full lounging thing. Yeah. So, that dude, that's the dream for me. Yeah. I, I hope with all these flights I'm taking, I eventually get to that point where I get that upgrade, but we're not there yet. I know that you, you like can't sleep on flights, right? I couldn't, but it turns out if you do anything enough, you just kind of get to the point where you're like, okay. Uh, okay. And I also, I also just bring sleeping pills with me and take too many of them. And then try and teleport from one, Dude, one continent to, to another. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've tried like sleeping pills and like melatonin a few times, and it just makes me like groggy and unhappy. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, and I, I, I definitely feel it the next day. No, it's like I it it makes me very. Uh, it it puts me like out of it, but not enough to fall asleep. Like I would have been mm. better off on my own in a lot of instances. And the first time I did something like that was on an international flight, and I was just like, "This sucks." Yeah, I was I was just suffering for like eight hours. I 
bet a lot of this has to do with nicotine. I wasn't smoking then. Okay. But but I believe you. Yeah, now now it would. Yeah, probably. Um you could get gum or something. Maybe. I don't know. I will say that uh uh Xanax, I don't know. Uh, I, I think they were like pretty small dose, but like I, I took a Xanax once or it was like a half a Xanax even. And it just like knocked oh, me, do, yeah. knocked me yeah. out for eight hours. Yeah, so I was like, this is it. incredible. Yeah. Uh, I wish, I wish that I could just take one of those every night. Cause <laughs> Dude, this weekend in Baltimore, I'm like talking to people and I, it's, it's one of those things where I, I'm telling the truth. And I think that people feel like I'm embellishing or just like straight up lying or, or whatever, you know? So, uh, I slept from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday. And then I stayed up and I was going to nap in the morning and then leave kind of like midday Friday morning to get up there, to drive up there. And it was 8 a.m. I laid down. I tried to sleep. I couldn't sleep. So I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to leave now. So I drive up there and then, you know, people start coming in or whatever. And... Uh, basically just trying to, trying to explain myself, like where, where I'm kind of at. Cause they're like, Oh, do you want to grab dinner or whatever? And it's like 5 PM. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm going to have to nap soon. Mm. And they're like, why? And it's like, because I've been up for like 16 hours or whatever. Um, and then, uh, I was like loaning a card to someone or like they needed a card. I had it and was just like, look. I have all intentions of like giving this to you, but I cannot guarantee that I will be awake at the time when your tournament starts, which was like 9 a.m. And I'm just like trying to explain like my situation. And they're just like, you can just say that you don't want to give me the card or whatever. Like, <laughs> Motherfucker. That's not like, I'm, I'm literally just telling you the situation. And then, uh, anyway, I like, you know, get back, stay up for a while, sleep, like, you know, one to four a.m. or something, and then obviously I'm awake at nine a.m. to like go hand them the card, and it's like, yeah, I've been up for five hours. Like, I'm not not lying to you. This is just this is my life. I just sleep for like three hours twice a day. Like that is that is what I do. And like, no, it is not good. Um, I wish I could just sleep for eight hours at a time, but I just literally yeah. That was good. that was going to be my follow up question: Is that are you happy with that? No, because there are some people who like purposely like do that mode of sleep, polyphasic sleep. Dude, I'm I'm want. happy for like 30 minutes after I wake up. Yeah. Cause I'm I'm just like fresh off a REM cycle or whatever, and I feel great. And then it's just like, oh wait, your body is still tired. Try Ambien before? Not not actual Ambien, no. Yeah. You should you should try it. I I will I will say that like NyQuil and melatonin is a- Ambien is completely different. Yeah, it's not strong enough. Yeah, uh, I believe that Ambien is is strong. You enough. you will go to sleep if you take Ambien. You you don't have much agency in, in that decision. You will just go to sleep, and you can kind of like skirt the edges of it, and you can like be awake, disassociated from reality potentially, or you could just like, I I mean I I used to share rooms uh, with someone who took Ambien a lot of the time and they would just like wake up and do weird shit in the middle of the night. And I'd be like, what were you doing last night? And like, I have no idea. I was asleep. Yeah. Like, no, you weren't. You were, uh-huh. you were up and having a conversation with me the entire time. Um, but <laughs> if you want to go to sleep, it'll definitely get the job done. I, 
I don't really, yeah, I, I don't really want to do that because I don't know what it is possible for like your body to do. And like, I, I will say when, when I took it, I just went to sleep. That was it. As far as, as at know. least as far as far as I know, as far yeah, as re- no one was reported to, tell you to me, the embarrassing shit that you were doing. Yeah, as far as reported to me, I just went to sleep. But uh, like, I I have I've I'm not sure I understand. Ryan, watch, come on, Ryan, put the watch away. She doesn't understand. Yeah, there you off. go. I hear the Velcro. That should have happened the first time, man. Thrown it across the room. All right, uh, trying to get that airtime before it gets cut off forever. Get get your steps in, watch. Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, I, I have I have three small animals, three lovely, adorable, well, two and a half adorable cats, and then you know Nora, who is who is great, and I love her, but uh, she she does not help me sleep. I will put it that way. Yeah, but yeah, that like makes sense. I I I can't I can't do sleepwalking when I'm supposed to you know be the caretaker of these small animals. Like like good God, you know what if I woke up and like something had happened to one of them? You know, it's, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. Do you know the uh, the the magic lore in regards to Ambien? I don't think so. so something about you saying that tickled something in the back of my brain, but I I I can't answer the question. Uh, back in the day, I don't I don't know why. Probably because it was just like easier to get or whatever. And like these these were people who like you know smoked weed back back when it was like edgy or whatever too. So like they were they were like doing some drugs, you know, but. Uh, uh, apparently the, the thing to do with Ambien is to like take it and then just force yourself to stay up. Yeah. Yeah. And then it provides you with like a high or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the Ambien was, was just a thing that, uh, I, I think it's, it was a small group of people, but it was, it was a notable group of people back in the day would do. Mm, So playing the Ambien game, I dude back then it was just like. All right, I know that these these druggy dudes like Ambien. I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. I just assume it is a drug. And then, you know, I find out years later it's just like a sleep aid or something. Just like, how the hell? <laughs> yeah, people do uh, a lot of things to get high. Always find a way. Yeah. So Ambien is, uh, it has a deep and rooted culture in Magic's history. <laughs> as, as does... Uh, many, many horrible things. So add it to the list. Yeah. Uh, what else, man? What else do you want to talk about on your last show? I don't know. That 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 covers a lot of what I, I don't. I don't have anything in particular to say. I, I one of the things about having done three hundred plus episodes of a podcast is that you said a lot of shit. You've heard it all at this point. Like if you if you listen to all those podcasts, you know more about me. We we have had more conversations than I've had with my wife probably over that same period of time. Uh, that's not because I don't love her deeply. I'm just like not a person who talks all that much. I know that's hard to understand when I talk for a living. That doesn't make any sense. I, I understand. I know it doesn't make sense, but I am actually a pretty quiet person and uh, generally more comfortable being quiet. And that's probably shocking news to some who only hear this podcast, but uh, it's true. And you, you all know everything there is to know about me at this point. I don't have many secrets left. Uh, there's no like last minute divulgences I want to give you. It's just I am, I am thankful for all the people who enjoyed my company, and uh, I, I enjoyed yours as well. It was a cool thing to be a part of, and uh, I'll always 
always remember it fondly. And I always seize it like when I'm thinking about uh, like where my life has gone and the opportunities I've had. I always think about the fact that I got to sign autographs for people. That's, that's so, so weird. It's like, for whatever reason, that stands out as the strangest thing that has come of it is, all of this stuff. It is pretty weird. It's so weird. It, it never stops being weird. I mean, don't get, I'm, I'm very happy to do it. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful that people ask me to do it. And this isn't me being like, oh, you shouldn't do that. No, absolutely do it. I'm very, very happy for it. It's just strange. It's not something I ever thought I would be doing. Um, and it's one of the cooler parts of having done all this. Yeah, oddly, I, I don't know exactly when this happened or whatever, but it, it stopped being weird for me. It's just like, yeah, it's a, a thing that I do or whatever. But when when you stop and actually think about it, it's just like, yeah, that is that is weird. I can't, certainly, you know, as, as a kid or even like a young adult or whatever, it's just like I can't imagine ever doing that. It is bizarre. I always feel guilty. I always feel like I'm defacing the card that I'm writing on or I, I did it first. It's, it's, it's just strange. Also like, especially in the magic context, I didn't create these things. Like I just said words about them. <laughs> and that's what makes it very strange uh, to like sign them. Like I, I get, it, it seems like something that should happen more in the flesh and blood space where like I created a card and people go, Oh, you want, I want the guy who created the card to sign it. That makes some sense to me when I'm defacing magic cards. It's very, very odd to me. Dude. It- I think that you and I have talked about this, um, it, but maybe I've not talked about this publicly, maybe because it's not a thing that I think that people actually care about or whatever. But like Wizards, I think, was in a unique position and like maybe still is to promote its designers and devs a lot better. And especially as like magic opens up more and, you know, you get more people involved in the various niche communities within magic just like the uh i don't know like vorthos aspect of things and Mm -hmm. the people who care about like the story or just like the design of cards and stuff it's just like how are you not promoting your people like rock stars you know or like how are you not more closely attributing and associating things with like people's work and i realized that you know many many instances it's a collaborative team effort right but there there are some things where I think uh, like Greenbelt Rampager is a card that one of my former roommates signed because he was just like, yeah, I just, I don't know, came up with the design and just like went to print, you know, and there yeah. are things like that that happen. Uh, but in, in so many instances, it's just like you maybe know some of the people like obviously Rosewater is very uh, front facing, but not a lot of the other people are. And I don't know when, when you're like, Oh, you know, why don't, why don't people want me, the creator of the card design? It's like, y'all don't do a good job promoting it, you know? And it's, it's not just you. Certainly it, it is just like the industry as a whole, honestly. Yeah. I think, um, I think the entity you're talking about has to cre- take it upon themselves to create that rock starness, like the designer you're speaking of. It's not, I actually don't think it's something the company can do. I think it would actually come off manufactured and forced if the company tried to do it. Well, they, they can, uh, they can support it. Yeah. I was, I was thinking like, you know, support, supplement, something like that. But yeah, there's, there's just like nothing in place to do that. But like there, there are, I don't know, you know, like 
random uh, videos on the Magic Channel talking about like the creation of sets or whatever. And it's like, you could certainly plug a lot of that stuff there if someone has like something cool that they want to talk about. Like you could actually solicit people to to do guest spots on stuff like that. And I, yeah, I realize I, I realize a lot of the people are probably just like, I want to be nameless, faceless behind anonymous. the scenes or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so good I choice. get that. But there are there are absolutely like some people that would would sign up for it. Uh you know, even if it's just like in in written word, like they get to talk about the thing that cr- they created and why and how and whatever. And I think you were right that not that many people care. And I think that is ter- in terms of both like the whether this superstar creation mechanism should exist and in terms of they just want to play with the cards and they, they don't really like have a lot of interest in where they came from and the thought process behind designing them. And it's just not something that the people it appeals to, it appeals really, really hard. Like people are really passionate about design, both in terms of understanding it, in terms of learning, in terms of, you know, doing their own theoretical work. And that very, very small micro community is intense about what they love. uh, And they would certainly appreciate it a lot. But I do think it is a very small percentage of the player population that cares about that stuff. I basically have uh, like an open door policy when it comes to to flesh and blood stuff. I, I will talk with any flesh and blood content creator at any time that wants to talk about design. I'm, I'm yeah, happy to do so. I've, I've noticed that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do a lot of stuff. But honestly, there's a lot of times when I see a show where people are just like, let's speculate on what the designers were doing here. And I'm like, well, you could have just asked me to come on the show. I would have told you like, <laughs> we don't have to speculate. You could just true, come but, talk to me. True, but less fun. Maybe in some, maybe, you know, maybe I, I just, I always wanted to like do things differently and be more available and be more open and talk about the stuff. And I think the truth is a lot of people just don't care. They just want the cards, which is fine. That, that's a totally fine way to engage. See, it's a, chi- it's a chicken or egg situation to me though. Maybe because maybe people don't care because no one is promoting any of this stuff. Like no one is is telling you specific stories of like how cards came to be. Yet there are, you know, whenever there's like a random tweet, like once every six months to a year or whatever, people like it. Like yeah, it gets a lot of traction because I guess the issue is if you if you do a random tweet once a year. You get the good stories. A lot of times the, the story is not that interesting. It's just like, yeah, I made this card. We put it in a deck, turned out to be pretty good, and we printed it. Like that's a huge percentage of the stories that are going to be told about these things. I mean, yeah, but there's there's also a lot of stuff that you can do with that. It's just like maybe getting out in in front of it and letting it be known that it was like, the thing that you did and then whenever it does well you just kind of like tweet about it or whatever you know because it's like i know that again you know not not all developers or whatever but like if someone sees a card that they created doing well uh and serving its intended purpose or whatever like that feels good you know it's yeah. like it's, it's like watching your child succeed at something and so yeah. i know i know that they care but it's just like you, you feel kind of weird tweeting about it because that's not the culture. It's not what we're doing, at least yet. So yeah. that was interesting. It's an interesting discussion. Well, let me ask you this. Let's let's go outside the card gaming space. Yeah. Let's let's go to 
um, whatever, whatever gotcha game you're presently enjoying, like, do you, do you want that level of engagement from the developers in that space? Do you want to hear the stories about how? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and... So playing, uh, playing slash played, you know, various Hoyoverse things, right. And occasionally they come out with, uh, some behind the scenes videos, or even if it's just like, a, you know, 10 minute segment in a larger thing that they're producing or whatever about like an upcoming patch or something. It's like, it is fascinating to me to, to see like how they came up with like character designs or like what they pulled from to, you know, it is, it is very lore based in a lot of instances too with the stuff that they do. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, like this region is based on like this region in real life. And like, these are the various things we drew from, like, this is why this character is stylized this way etc you know just like that stuff is interesting to me and i don't even consider myself a person who's like particularly interested in that stuff yeah and i I love that shit too but how much of that is based on like who we are and our backgrounds and the things we've worked on maybe but the the point is is that like we exist you know yeah and we're not we're not even the, the target audience necessarily so for sure it doesn't have to gain a ton of traction but like people like mark rosewater ben brode obviously they have very specific personalities for yes. for that type of thing whereas you know love eric flower to death but like he he doesn't really have the personality for it you know or he, he doesn't want to engage with it i think his personality is actually well suited for it actually but um you know not everyone wants to sign up for that role but like when someone does step into that role it is generally received very positively by the community yeah because like they they want like the the insider view and like Wizards was basically like the first company to do that sort of thing when I think a lot of other companies felt like oh we're giving away our our secrets for free like that's interesting would, do you do you think they they were really on adapters of that yeah I had never really considered that before but as you say that and I think back at the history and like how who else was doing it yeah I I. I have no answers for you. I mean, like maybe MMOs to some extent, but I, w- I wasn't a huge MMO player in like the early days of MMOs. So I don't know what like the, uh, you know, Ultima Onlines and Ever Everfest? Is it Everfest? EverQuest? EverQuest. Yeah, our, our set's Everfest. Okay. Uh, EverQuest. <laughs> uh, oh, that's hilarious to me. All right. W- what else is out there? You're just like, I can only think about fab things. That is how it's so hard to think about anything else. So, so hard. I know. Um, My brain is just a a fab mush at this point. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know. I wasn't engaged enough with those communities to know exactly how they were doing things. I I uh, don't. don't, That's about the time where Wizards sort of like opened the gates a little bit and was was telling more stories. Yeah. No, it was was when Rosewater got there. And he's just like, I want to, you know, write about this stuff. It's interesting. And yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know that they were the first or whatever, and I'm sure that other game companies have done, uh, you know, smaller portions of it or whatever. But like to the extent that they're willing to let people in behind the scenes and like just answer generalized questions and stuff like that, like it is very different, and you see that a little bit more with other companies now. Not not even necessarily to the same degree that Wizards does it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I think that it is very cool, and I I think that it is very silly that like I don't know Eric Lauer is not a more well known and respected figure whether or not he wants to be you know it's just like dude has done so much and deserves like whatever credit he gets you know so 
it's it it's it seems like doing him a disservice. Um, but yeah, I I fully recognize that maybe he just doesn't even want that. Maybe he likes it better this way. I don't know. Yeah, it seems it seems peaceful. Honestly, it more seems more peaceful, peaceful at least. But yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's like going to work and like talking to that dude about magic. Like he he loves talking about that stuff, right? And maybe it was just like a small group of coworkers, like people who maybe quote unquote get it or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the deal is. It's one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, I never really thought to ask him, you know? But Yeah. No, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> Excuse me. But regardless, uh, you know, if, if y'all wanted to, to do that a little bit more and maybe solidify those, uh, uh, connections between like the people who make the cards and the cards themselves. Obviously not every single card is made individually by one person or whatever, but there, there are certainly uh, instances where that does happen. And yep. uh, you know, it's, it's cool to highlight that stuff and point it out. And obviously you run the risk of like it blowing up when it's just like, you know, Hogak or something. It's like, Hey, look at this cool thing I made. And they're just like, we hate you. <laughs> fire, yeah. fire this dude. Nah, I, I don't. I, it's it's funny. I have zero fears of making Hogak. I, I I just like accept it as an inevitability, and know it's going to happen. What scares me way more is making something boring. Like I, I yeah. find that way scarier than making a card that just like sort of messes up the game a little bit. Because if if you if you don't occasionally mess up the game, you probably are playing things too safe. And it's it's always a thin line to walk, but you have to take risks. And uh, that Hogax don't scare me, but just boring, miserable sets scare the shit out of me. So yeah, I agree with all that. And like, I, obviously, we're you know critical of wizards and uh, you know fire design or whatever. But like, I I hope it did come across that it's like. These, these sets are exciting you know like that is that is definitely a good thing versus them being mercadian masks or or whatever and it was just like th- this stuff is exciting but the stuff doesn't have to be a bunch of free cards or whatever you know like you can make them exciting in, in different ways instead of making like fires and omnath and stuff yep i think very true uh speaking of cards that have garnered some interest and possibly concern the the one ring seems like it's doing some work over uh in modern not only in terms of selling a bunch of packs which i'm sure it is doing uh no one of one ring has turned up as of yet much to everyone's surprise but the the just regular the one rings are turning up absolutely everywhere it looks like and I, you know it's funny i remember seeing that card and thinking it could be good enough and it could matter. It's really hard to contextualize protection from everything until you see it. Yeah. No, I mean, we were talking about like, oh, is there a way to like recur this or bounce it or whatever? Um, but yeah, like you just don't even necessarily need to do that. No, you just take the time walk, like the tutorable time walk with your car. And it's, it's just like a huge, huge position to be in. It seems like it's going to uh, actually be pretty fundamental to the way modern works I, I think this card has a lot of potential i i'm not one who thinks it needs you know action that seems absolutely ridiculous to me but it does seem very strong and i think an important card from the set uh and i think that's probably 
good. It feels like if a card is supposed to matter from the set, it is supposed to be the one ring. So I, I guess things have kind of worked out in the correct fashion. It's going to be weird seeing the one ring across a lot of modern matchups, but it is what it is. Well, the name is generic enough where you don't even have to engage think with about the it. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, sure. Different if it were Gandalf, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be different. I, th- I think they assigned the points to the right place. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Uh, I definitely didn't want to talk about Lord of the Rings, but this is one of those instances where it's like, oh, yeah, you kind of kind of have to because it is such a big part of it or whatever. And I don't know. It's uh, if I were I, I still I can't stop myself from thinking about like how I would approach it uh, as like a weekly columnist type of person. Like I, my mm-hmm. brain is still trained to think like, okay, what am I writing about this week? What's the article? Yeah. yeah. And this, this would spawn uh, probably a few articles, a lot of different decks, a lot of different brews. And uh, it would, we would be eating good, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm not in the, I'm not getting paid to like actually do the work and try and figure that stuff out. So instead I'm like, yeah, that's what I would write about, but I'm just not going to do any of the research or work necessary to like write the article. So, uh, you know, I'll check back in in two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Let someone else do it. Or I'll, I'll let the other person, uh, you know, give me their thoughts whenever, uh, we, we do our next show. That seems like a good idea. Oh man. Uh, okay. So you, you need to make a promise right here and right now that if you ever have anything you want to talk about, I mean like literally anything, because obviously we just bullshitted through this entire show and I thought it was rad that you, you tell me, because I will, I will be right there. I will turn my mic on. I got my, I got my good mic, uh, set back up again. Uh, dude, I'm ready to rumble. I got nothing but time. My sleep schedule is shit. Um, so anytime you want to talk, anytime you want to record, you let me know. I will do that. And I, I am, honestly looking a bit forward to uh, getting to untether from magic a little bit. I know you'll have that covered over on the main show. So we could talk about some other shit. Like I I still want to have a long in-depth conversation about why the new Zelda game sucks. And that's one that I'm going to make everyone listen to. And I, I know that I've converted you to a Zelda hater which I'm very proud of. You were a defender I mean, of Breath of the Wild. You um, you didn't do that. I was I <laughs> I played it. And I was just like, I hate this so much. I just hate it. Yeah, and I I, I can I, tell you exactly why. I understand why, but as as do I, as do I. Uh, and hate's a strong word. I think it, it is, is a it is it is a solid game. It um, was I I I turned it off. And that was yep. it. And then my life went, moved on, you know, and yep. I, didn't, I didn't really think about it except for the times when you bring it up or someone asked my opinion and I'll tell yep. them. I, I did like my, I don't even know, eight to 10 hours probably is about what I put into it. And then there are so many freaking other incredible games coming out, like just yes. the absolute typhoon of incredible games that I'm not going to waste my time with a game that does not make me happy. And, uh, Tears of the Kingdom does not make me happy, but it, I want, it, was, I, it was like round two of a league, man. I didn't even have to play two hours or eight hours yep, to know that I believe I it. was like, this is not for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I want to talk about that. I would love to talk about the other video games that have been occupying my mind. Uh, I think there's some great games out now. I would love to talk about 
anime when the new season starts. I think that would be fun. It'd be cool to come on and do some, maybe some music talk, all, all things that would be really fun to talk about without the bonds and magic. But I also would love to check in on magic from time to time. I would love to do, uh, you know, some of the more oddball discussion type stuff. I mentioned that year in review show, which was a weird ass show that we did kind of on a whim at the end of last year, where we just looked at every product. That was actually a lot of fun to me. And I, I wouldn't mind doing that at the end of the year. So uh, I will stay very open awesome. and uh, willing to talk about various things. Yeah, I'm down obviously, to- this is a huge part of my life. And the most important thing to me is just like, neither one of us are great about just like maintaining connections, nah. making time to speak to other people. When obviously, you are one of my favorite people in the world. The thought of not having an excuse to have a conversation with you every week is actually the scariest part about moving on. It like is. That is the thing that makes me most uncomfortable. I, I will be fine in terms of my engagement with magic, and I uh, will not miss being like a magic Twitter person. All that stuff is good. I just will miss the conversations with you. So I, I do want to make sure we go out of our way to do that and uh, find excuses. And I also hope I can get to a place where I can like re-engage with magic on a, on healthier terms. Like, obviously there's a lot of, I don't know if hurt feelings is quite the right word, but like missed opportunities, sadness, maybe a little bitterness with my relationship with magic right now, where I don't really like the way things turned out. And, you know, I, I generally enjoy being a positive person. I hope I can get to a place where my relationship with magic is positive again, where there are events I just want to go to for the sake of playing magic. That would be great. I have, uh, no desire to extricate magic from my life, to never participate again. That's not what this is about. It's just about uh, the realities of where my time is spent and what I want for this podcast audience. So, so seeing as how uh, you know, we talked uh, a little bit about regrets and uh, the things that we we're never able to do, if if there is ever a period where you are going to a tournament, and I mean just you know, like if you're going to like an IQ or some shit. Like just some some tiny local thing on a whim or whatever. Let me know. We'll do. And we'll like, do that. We'll I'll I'll try and make it so like we can hang out for like three days or something. Go to like Dave and Buster's, you know, like cross some shit off the bucket list. Play some ping pong. It all sounds very good to me. I I don't know that I've ever played like a full game of ping pong. Really? So I'm just gonna be an absolute punching bag for um, you. I'm really really good. <laughs> I I believe you. Sorry, and, but I'll, I'll indulge you. Might be a you. bit of a drubbing. I'll indulge okay, you. Good, good. So yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, let me know about any any of that sort of stuff. Uh, you're you're not like selling your collection or anything, are you? So I I considered. Uh, Seems like a lot of like work. I said I I am uh, yeah it is a lot of work. Like I said I'm I'm looking at getting a, a house, a second house in New Zealand. I, I may need some capital for that. I considered maybe looking at my non-reserve list stuff and just seeing if there's a way I can move it all very quickly. Because honestly, I not only have a bunch of non-reserve list stuff, but I have probably the most expensive available version of that stuff. So if I wanted to sell it, come back, re-engage, buy like the lower end version of it in the future when I don't need the liquid capital, I think that's entirely fine and actually a pretty reasonable financial decision, which is how I make most of these determinations. Um, so I'm looking at that, but I think the reality is that it'll just prove to be more of a hassle than it's worth. And I, I probably won't do it. You just need to find a third party. 
who's yeah. willing to do it all for you for like 10%. It's so it's so hard for me to take the L on that. Like I I I know I should do it and I know that is like a valuable service they are providing. But there's just like this uh innate you grew up poor voice in my head being like I know. Don't be lazy, get that 10%, don't give it to someone else and I I have to get over that. But you're you're right. It is the correct way to do it. And also I have many friends who are capable of doing that. So there's no reason for okay. me not to use them. Yeah. No, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you don't have time to do this. You don't have time to do that either would be my argument. Yep. So that is that is the truth. Uh shit, man. Anything else? What else you got? No. That's no, it. No. Thank you. Just that just thank you to you. Thank you to everyone. Uh my life would be very different without the opportunities you provided me i am i mean i i I mention it in conversation uh, it feels like almost daily that i owe everything about where i have gotten to to your belief in me as someone who nobody knew uh just coming on a podcast and and talking about this thing that i love so much tcgs and and magic and gaming and uh without your belief in me I don't think any of that is possible. So thank you. And then that extends to all the people who actually showed up and listened because you could have done it. And then everyone could have been like, fuck this guy. Yeah, there's no way I'm giving this guy my time every week. But people came and they listened. Well, and I'm I'm so, so thankful for that. That's the thing, man. You don't owe me shit because this is all stuff that you did yourself. I, I just happen to be in a position to, you know, be a talent scout effectively, you know, and I don't know. But it's different when you put your own shit on the line, right? You already had this brand. You already had something that was successful that was working. It's one thing if you go but I and introduce me to someone else. Bro, like, bro, you were not a risk. Like, that's the thing is I knew it wasn't a risk. Well, you're, you're I, a smart I put, guy. But. I put absolutely nothing on the line. Yes, I am. <laughs> in some <laughs> regards, I am. I'm very, very not smart in a lot of other aspects, but... Uh, in, in terms of like, you know, talent for being able to create good magic content, I feel like the vast majority of the people that I vouched for have worked out. Um, yep. And also, that's why I'm that's why I'm looking forward to what's next, man. I get to just listen to the podcast. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, and then it's, watch the next person come on and just like shit the bed or whatever. Not not that they're going to. I know they're listening. They're not going to shit. They're the not bed. going to. Uh, I I have the utmost faith in them. It's just. It is another instance of that where I I don't think I'm risking anything in this regard. Yep. Um, I am very thankful that that you said yes, that this person said yes, and I I didn't have to go to the next person on the list, you know, because always good, always good to get your first choice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It it was it was it was easy to me. Like I I made a list of people, and my list started with like people that other people would expect and then i was like why am i doing this <laughs> you know it's like that, that that is not the show that i want to be a part of and you and i had not worked together closely you know like many times or whatever but i'd seen enough and that's all to do is round two of a league you know like i learned enough <laughs> yep you're ready to pack it in and i i had made my decision and it was a damn good one you know well, I am I am thankful you made that decision. Uh, been a incredible three hundred plus episode run. So, uh, congrats to you 
for being part of it. I'll take some congrats for myself. I think we, I do think we did something special, and uh, you should. We man. left. I think we left magic in a better place than we found it in terms of what people expect from content creators. I think like I fucking hope so, man. The the level of like one thing that I hope there's a really lasting legacy of this podcast is the level of genuineness that we approached everything with what we tried to sell you, how we tried to sell it to you, the things we didn't try and sell you along the way. I, I think all of that, um, I, I want you to hold other content creators to the same standards that we held ourselves to. I think you are owed that as someone engaging in the space and, uh, you know, when when people kind of show you who they are and there's a lot of warning signs for it, believe those warning signs. Like, like understand you know who's out to make a buck off you, know who's out to really provide something for you. And I, I, I hope we helped you with that process. Yeah, I wish people would think about that stuff more. And I know that it kind of defeats the purpose if I tell people to do that or whatever you know yeah it's like yo think about how genuine we are whatever it's like eh, yeah okay i should probably just not say anything but then you know no we i mean it is it is important i think we we left a lot of money on the table and did so consciously and a lot of yes. that was in furtherance of yes, just being did. being yes, genuine did. and I, I i hope uh i hope that always came through and I, I just think that's what people deserve. And if they're not getting that, they should ask themselves why they're not getting that. You know. But no, man, that, that it's part of it. It's part of the the Brian G package. You know, it is what I knew I was signing myself up for was it. It needed to be a person that I could work alongside with. Like this, this is very much a a fifty fifty effort. You know, and I don't know for whatever good you think that this podcast did or whatever, whatever we accomplished, like you're a big part of that. So, you know, thank you also. And I don't know. I, I am happy that I was in a place where I could provide a platform, but I'm, I'm very happy that there were like suitable candidates. You know what I mean? Mm. And yep. I don't know. It's it, it is certainly cool how it worked out too, where it's like we we didn't know each other super well before that. I think there was you know like a mutual respect and like we liked each other or whatever. But this has been awesome. I never, n- literally zero times have I been like, God, I have to interact with Brian today. You know? Yeah. Zero. Oh, well, times. We are both the type of person who, if we feel that way about you, we probably stop interacting with you. Yeah. <laughs> so it works out very well uh, that we're just you know naturally able to coexist and there aren't many people i could spend this much time with on the face of the earth so it's very fortunate that i found another one uh just by happenstance and and random chance i don't i don't know how many other people in my position uh you know come up come up with you as as the person you know but it's just like this this is one thing i got absolutely right and I believe on on the first cast, I said something to the effect of like, you know, you you don't know this person, but like, trust me, this is the right person or whatever. And I don't know, this is this is like the easiest, but also like maybe biggest cold shot I have. So, but that's also where you get to to throw up the hand and 
yeah, but do it, the fade away motion. But again, it's all because you're you, though. It's like it's not that hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, Brian would be really good at this. I don't know. There's a lot of people who have passed me up for other things. So I think, uh, you know, there's some element of you can always make a mistake or you can, uh, I don't know, always get the wrong impression. Uh, but you were good enough to see through that. So I, I am thankful. I am ready to deliver what I think will probably be my final game. I, I will come back, but I don't think I'll do this again. So I think I really want to put my whole heart into it and say one final time, that's game. Good luck.